is opera dying? If it is, will it go out with a bang like Tosca jumping off the parapet or die a slow, agonizing death like Mimi? Is there anything we can do as artists to bring life back to this beautiful art form and change this elitist narrative? Editor-in-Chief Tanisha Mitchell and I discuss. Juicy Interludes, not your typical opera podcast. It may not be for everyone, but it just may be for that very one. I'm your host, Angela Renee Simpson. I want to ask you, do you think opera is dead? <laughs> I think it's on life support. You think it's on... <laughs> I don't think it's dead. I think it's evolving. I don't know what it's evolving to, but it's evolving. We're at a time now where you have the largest opera company in the industry who's taking money out of their endowment. I don't think that the large company reflects everybody. I don't think the large company reflects every company. Across no, no. I think the reason why I say life support is because I think the old way of, of doing operas on life support. Oh. I, I would say that the old, I agree with you that it may be evolving and it's, it's obvious in the ticket sales. Mm. It's obvious in the ticket sales. I mean, in some photographs that I've seen, the seats are empty. Yeah. And these are bigger houses. These, these aren't the smaller ones. I haven't seen, I can't say for every opera house. I think it's a, a multifaceted reasons why. Look, I've always been a, an artist who loves fantastic singing. I love yes. good singing. Yes. I don't care what opera it is. If the singer is singing their face off, but we, we have a term when they, they are singing their face off. That's what I love. I love that. I love that. And it, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter what character they're doing. If the voice is on point, I am there. Because this is nothing new. There have been articles about how to reinvent opera for years and, and I mean, like most recently in this century, 2014, 2013, 2014, you start seeing a lot of coverage on how to reinvent opera. They don't have to reinvent. There's nothing to reinvent. If you continually put good singers on stage, really good quality singers on stage, people are going to return and want to come and want to hear. Okay, I'm going to go back to the HD movie, the opera on, in the movie theater. When I first heard of it, I was like, oh, fantastic. Oh my gosh, everybody can go see the opera now for 20 bucks. People can flock. The movie theaters are going to be stock full of people. People who can't get to the Met, people who can't, you know, can't get to, to can't overseas to see, right. uh, you know, an uh, opera. It's going to be on, D and B all you got to do is pay $20. Boom. Then everybody had to look like Angelina Jolie. Everybody had to look like Brad Pitt. And the singing began to suffer. For me, this is my opinion. I have friends on the inside who were dealing with the patrons, being with the subscribers. They were complaining that the singing was horrible. Mm. The singing was horrible. Why would I pay a subscription to hear horrible singing? In their opinion, mm. it wasn't a quality that they were used to. So then the subscriptions went out the window. It's not anything you have to reinvent. It may even evolving. 
But if you put quality singing, no matter what the person looks like, to the ear, opera's always been to the ear, not to the eye. Well, nowadays, the way that has been handled, the eye is even more important. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but the way that is being handled is that the eye is important. I, I don't know. How do you find a balance? I think that's the number one thing is finding the balance between the two. But now what do you say about this? When we start talking about diversity and the eye, how does that come into That's not a problem. That's not never been a problem for me. I'm of the darker hue. So, <laughs> so for me, I can sing. It doesn't matter for me if the Aida is a black woman, which I would love. Right. Or a white woman. As long as the singing was fabulous. I don't want to have a black Aida just because she put her, you put her in the role because she's black and the singing is mediocre. I agree with you. I think that's ridiculous. And it's safe for my counterpart. You know, don't have a, someone Asian in Meta Butterfly and put her there because she's Asian and the singing is not there. The singing is just, the, it, the singing's not working. Right, right. Opera is about singing. That's what, it's the basis of what opera is, is singing. We can, we buy albums all the time. And listen, they can imagine what was happening on stage, but right. it's all about the ear first. It was always, singing opera was always about the ear. Second was the stage and, and, the, and the costumes and all that. All that, I'm not saying get rid of that. It's always been about quality, quality singing. And there's still people out there who sing their butts off and never get hired, never get hired because of what they look like. But again, we're going back to the aesthetic. If you think about today, they're saying a lot of the new stuff, a lot of the contemporary stuff is outselling the stuff that requires you. I'm not saying contemporary does not require you to sing, but there's a different approach that you would have. I don't think a person's listening to a contemporary piece and they're thinking about, oh, I wonder what her high note is going to sound like. I wonder, they're really engrossed in the story. That's okay. what I noticed. The more, the, more, the more contemporary pieces, okay. The more contemporary stuff. And that's what's selling out versus the stuff that does require you to right. have- so Everybody knows the story already. Right. Mm -hmm. Opera files know the story already, yes. I should say. Yes, yes. I like contemporary opera. I do. I've been mm -hmm. involved in new pieces. Let me just say that. I still hold the same bar. The singing has to be of quality. Absolutely. I, I would enjoy enjoy the story also. I've always been that person when the right voice and the good singing hits my ear, I get very, very excited. I've done that. There was a young lady on Facebook. Right. I can't remember what she was singing. It's on the tip of my tongue. But I put her, I shared her on my page. Because the singing was ex exquisite, exquisite singing. And I was so excited for her. I wasn't the only one that shared it. And this is a young lady that's an emerging artist, I would assume. The voice was just beyond anything. And that's what gets me to buy a ticket. If I know someone who I've heard that's going to sing well, I am going to buy a ticket to go see them. I'm going to do it. Because I know the performance, no matter what ha what's happening on stage, Whatever, I know the singing is going to be glorious. That's according to your aesthetic. It's how yeah. you are listening as a musician. 
And I think that I know well, that as a musician, but even as an audience member, I, ever since I was a kid, I, this is not no, no, anything new for me. I love good singing. I've always loved good singing. But I think that in a sense, what people call good singing. Right. Okay. May not it, be what I call it. It may not be what you call it. So yeah. how can they find a fine line? Because that's what a lot of people have been saying. All the singers are not what, how they used to be. Yeah. That comes up all the time. I wonder if in the 60s and 70s were people sitting there saying, you know what? These singers are not like the ones from the 30s, you know? Did they listen to Franco Corelli and say, you know what? Yeah. He's not like Skipa. Yeah. He's not like Martinelli. I, I, I'm wondering if that happened. It, and, and marketing. I don't think that the singers today, you have a lot of excellent singers today. They don't get the same coverage. They don't get the same marketing. But then there are people like you that would say, wait a minute, if they sang well... <laughs> We've had this conversation. No, no, no. Well, okay. So I said in the previous episode, back in the day, opera companies used to make stars. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so they're not doing that anymore. You know, what was told to me as I was coming in the business, sopranos are a dime a dozen. Sopranos mm. are a dime a dozen. And I think it's still that's still the same way today. There are a lot of sopranos out there. I won't say mezzos are a dime a dozen. I'm not going to say that. I would love to hear that, well, they're not going to tell us the truth. I was going to say, I, was, I would love to hear from a company, artistic director. Why do you choose the voices that you choose? Why? I would love for someone to come on our show. Why? And tell us the truth. Why do you choose? The truth. The truth. I heard this other thing where it was another artistic director. And I, this is a story that I heard that it's not about talent all the time. You could be talented up the wazoo, but it's not all about talent anymore. No, it's not all about talent. You know, if you build up a, a following, there are millions and millions of people out there. You know, if you're on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, you can build up a follow. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're an opera singer to build a following. You don't have to be an opera singer to build. You could just be you. Well, that, that's one of the things. One of, uh, there, there was an opera singer who said recently, that that's why someone was chosen because they had more of a following on social media and oh, that's yeah. on social media. The person said that. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a part of it, but, um, because they, that person's going to bring, they feel that person has that following. They're going to bring those yeah. people into theater when they get hired to, to sing a role. But opera is still considered elitist though. A part of it has to do with the business model. Yeah. This donor based business model Peter Gelb said this. He said that it's been dying years ago. <laughs> it's been dying. And so with this business model, of you're, you're counting on your donors. You have to please them too. And your ticket buyers. So I, I really would like to know what, what's the weight that a ticket buyer has versus somebody that's giving. Obviously, obviously it's the ticket buyers because they know butts in the seats. It don't matter how much money the donor gives. If you can't put butts in the seats, they're not going to make their money back. They're not going to, you know, it doesn't matter if they give two, three, four million dollars for production. If they're nobody, if nobody's coming to see it. Right. I agree. So the power is in the audience. The power is in the audience. It's in the audience's hands. You want to get new people. 
you want to get people who have never been to an opera before yeah. and make love it and buy and continue to buy tickets. You, definitely you want to look for new people. But the people who have been coming season after season after season are not coming anymore. And you're not asking them why. You're not asking them why. You're just trying to figure out how to fix it. How to, how to change their mind. But you need to ask them. Have a survey in the opera house and figure out why did you come tonight and not... Is there has ever been a time that you haven't come? And why didn't you come? Why didn't you come to see this particular opera? You know, what's your favorite opera? So and so, have you seen it this season? No. Why? Why haven't you come? And they'll give you a myriad of reasons. They may say the ticket prices were too high, or I couldn't come because I was busy, or I couldn't come to the, or they could say I couldn't come because the singing quality is not good. But the but the other thing is then they talk about the ticket prices are too high. I saw two people, two young people, well, I would say that's what they were described as in Vogue, and they paid $700 for a Vogue runway show. So mm -hmm. $700 is more than a ticket, one of the highest priced tickets that I have seen recently. So I don't think it's about price. I think it's about value. If you don't value going, you're not going right. to pay. You have more status going to see that Vogue runway show than you would to go see an opera. You paying $700, where are you sitting? Are you sitting on the first or second row? That's where people take photographs. So then your photo gets, your, the photo gets taken, you in the background, and, and then next thing you know, they may be taking a photo of a superstar and there you are in the background. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's sort of, that photo is going to give you status. It's going to give you clout as they say the clout as the kids say me and you, you now but seven hundred dollars that's worth that's worth that seven hundred dollars right for the experience the experience the experience opera should be an experience also but unfortunately mm -hmm. yeah i think it should be an experience i love the the idea of grand productions and all of that that that's me i love that stuff yeah you, the spectacle the spectacle i love it absolutely <laughs> I remember the first time I saw De Rosen Cavalier. I lost it. That was at the Met. The first, my first, every time seeing De Rosen Cavalier was at the Met. The spectacle alone, all the visual, was was lovely. I don't know if I would pay seven hundred dollars to to go to a Vogue uh, fashion show. I'm not sure if I would do that. If tickets could be had, I'd probably pay seven hundred dollars to go to the Met Gala, the Met Ball. Well, yeah, I'd pay seven hundred dollars to walk up them eighty eight steps. Well, what about to a Beyonce concert? You people are paying thousands of dollars <laughs> for the experience. For the experience, to yeah. go to her concert. So yeah. it's the value, you know. If the value, and this is again, if opera reach reaches millions of people, there's a value about that. I'm going to tell this story because I I love this business story. I'm I'm fascinated about the research of why businesses fail and why they succeed. One of the things that I was thinking about was um, the owner of LVMH, Bernard Arnault. I look up to that man. And he was saying years ago in the 70s, this was, I think he had just, I'm not sure if he just bought Christian Dior or if it, or if it was before it. It was around that time. He came to the United States and he had a conversation with a cab driver. And one of the things he said, the cab driver said to him, I don't know who the president of France is, 
but I know who Christian Dior is. There's a mystique in that. And that's what he, Bernard Arnault was saying, hmm, if he knows who Christian Dior is, he doesn't even know who the president of France is. Right. There's something special about that. That's just the, the case about from the Kardashians to Beyonce. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, it's, it, whether you're a fan or not a fan, but the specialty about it, I have never watched a Kardashian show, mm -hmm. but I know who the Kardashians are. I don't listen right. to Taylor Swift like that. By her recent album, I, I do like some of the songs, but you can walk up to somebody in the street that's never listened to a Taylor Swift or Beyonce song and mention Taylor Swift and they know exactly who these people are. That's where I'd like to see opera be I like to see opera again. singers. That's where I would like to see opera singers. Oh, you, yeah. Well, I don't, can you see that happening? In yes. 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 I would, that's where I would like opera singers. That's, that's Pavarotti, you know, Pavarotti. Well, of course, Pavarotti did that. But the only, but the, but if you study Luciano Pavarotti, mm-hmm. Only way he got to do that is when he left the opera house. That's true. That's true. He became my household name. That's true. But he decided to take the music out of the opera, take himself out of the opera house and out of productions. And That's out true. He, you know, he did his commercial to, for American Express. You know, when I, you know, I'm just repeating with, when I'm on stage, I hear bravo, bravo. But then when I go to in the store, they go, who, who, you know, <laughs> unless he put, that was, I was like, I remember that as a kid. Three tenors, the three tenors concert sold out wherever it went, made millions and millions and millions of dollars. Also, the Pavarotti and Friends, every year, I look forward to that. Who was going to sing with Pavarotti? What pop singer was going to sing with Pavarotti that year? Who was going to be on the show? Yeah, you know, but... Opera companies do concerts. They do free concerts. No, 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 no. Opera they do companies. Opera companies. Pavarotti is one person. One person. Now, he became famous for singing at the Met. I'm not going to say that's how he became. His name came out there singing at the Met, blah, blah, blah. But his, his, you could see him when he talked. He said, opera is for the people. It is not to be an elitist thing here in this building. He said, it is for the people and I'm going to bring it to the people. And that's exactly what he did. It still sold out Madison Square. Only opera singer to sell out Madison Square Garden. Come on now, think about it. Think about it as a business person. Absolutely. Think, you know, I'm, not, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm just talking to people who are yeah, listening. I know what you're saying. Study, yeah. study what he did. Study, you know, um, I have a I have a video clip from the, one of the Pavarotti documentaries. Not, it was a different one, not the Ron Howard was a different one. And it was it was Placido Domingo talking about an opera production. And he said, the life of an opera singer is very hard. Very hard. When a production in an opera house goes up, mm. you have thousands of people, thousands of people who are taken in who are taken into account first yep. before you get to the singer. Yep. That's why the singers do not get paid what they should be paid because there are other people in the thousands of people in this million dollar production and the last person they're thinking about is the singer. Think about it like that. Think about it like that. It just came out recently in an article. 
at the Met, the highest paid singer is $16,000 a performance. Now, for some people, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But when you add it all together, children, eight performances, $16,000 a performance. Okay, so add all that up. Then take the taxes out, your federal, state, and if you sing in the New York City taxes, then take out your 10, 10 15%, 15, 20, sometimes third, 25% for your agent. Yep. Take that. Housing. Then, you got housing. housing too. You pay. If you don't live in New York, you got to pay housing where you're living in New York yep. and get home. It just when, By the time it ends, darling, if you do all the subtraction, you're making about $35,000 for that one performance. Yep. Yep. Warren Buffett says, they said that he, they always credit him with this quote. If you don't find a way to make money as you sleep, Mm. work until you die. Mm. This is why nowadays you, like what you're saying with Pavarotti and it was just him. Nowadays you have to think like an entrepreneur because you can't depend on the opera company to make you into the star you have to be now i'm gonna say this do you notice andrea bocelli look at like the last four or five years there's always been a concert with an opera singer from the traditional opera world that's performed with him yes yes if i walk on the street and ask me oh no i'll say i'm not gonna put it in i said do you know of an opera singer? And the first name, op, Andrea Bocelli. Yep. That's the name they come up with, Andrea Bocelli. Oh, I love Andrea Bocelli. I love his voice. He sings. Blah, blah, blah. I used to hear that all the time in the temp offices when I used to do temp work. Yep. When I told them I was an opera singer, that 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 they said, why do you do a temp work? I said, well, because I sing opera. Oh, I love Andrea Bocelli. That's what, that's the name they would come up with. They're not Placido, not nope. Pavarotti, not Renee Fleming. It was Andrea Bocelli. Nope. Because that's who the masses know. There's nothing wrong with that. Do your thing. Make your money. I am not that's mad what at I'm him. saying. I'm that's not mad at him. But right. you have to, use, as a singer coming up, as you're coming up in this, you have to think that way. You have to think of yourself as an entity, as a business, as a brand. One of the clapbacks was that this type of discussion is divisive. My assistant showed me what was said. Mm-hmm. And that is, this is negative and divisive. The more people are known, the more value people have for opera as a whole, the more opportunity you have. And you're not just concentrated on getting the job. Right. Getting the job is one thing. One when aspect, you, yes. When you're done with that job, when you're done singing that Verdi Requiem, is your name being echoed. And my thing is, I think most singers today are, they're concerned that their name is being echoed to business people to hire them, which is great. I'm not trying to take money out your pocket, but there's something special when your name is being echoed to a mass amount of people and people are listening and following you and they're thinking about you. And it, and that's to me, the magic of that. But I know every, I'm, I know every singer is not going to want that type of career. But I think it is helpful and it adds to the value, you know. What are you doing as an artist 
And I can ask myself the same question, but what are you doing as an artist? You, when you come in, you sing, you do your best, you do the, the best job you've ever done, the people who bought their tickets above all. But as an artist, how do you reach your audience? Yes. How do you reach your audience? Not your colleagues, not to people who are in the business, but Mr. Johnson, who runs the grocery store, or Mr. Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith, who's an entrepreneur and has a beauty shop. Opera reaches a wide range of people. Yes. And some people you would never expect. So you can you can walk down the street and somebody who, who's a, a blue collar worker who loves opera. He loves opera. Maybe his parents played a lot of opera when he was a kid and he adores it. You would never guess it from looking at him. But how do you reach your audience as an artist? I can ask myself the same question. And when I, when I asked myself that question, my career came up before social media was even around. Mm -hmm. So in my reach was after the performance, after yeah. people who had come to the performance. Right. I did not make an effort to reach someone who was not, who had never been into an opera. And I can, I can say I'm guilty of that. But that's something that I've learned. So when you're, when as an artist, as an upcoming artist, you want to talk to people who've never been. One of the quotes that I saw in the New York Times it, from Peter Gelb, he says, when we survey our audiences, we learn that a self-described opera lover today is someone who comes to the opera a couple of times of the year. A self-described opera lover 20 years ago was someone who came to the Met 20 times a year. Do you think by a singer reinventing themselves, do you think that the opera, the opera house should be the only destination to experience opera? Oh, no. That's, going, that's I think that's what's changing and what's evolving. Yeah, that could be, yeah, that could be changing and evolving also. Um, no, I don't think it's just the opera house. Opera can be done in any venue. Can it be profitable in any space? That's the issue. Well, that survey is very interesting. 20 times a year and now a couple of times a year. Mm -hmm. I would say hip hop and rap wasn't as prevalent. It wasn't a huge culture as it is now. Yes. Nobody thought it would disappear like disco did. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's a part of our everyday culture now. Well, I think the one of the things, the survey is a little bit too late. If you find it out now, it's only two times a year. Something happened between that time and now, besides COVID. Besides COVID. Yeah, because this has been happening before COVID. You should have been interested in it before then, as to doing the surveys then and find out what's going on. But my question is, see, this is the thing. You took the survey and found this out, but you didn't ask them why. Mm. They didn't want to know why. Mm. Why are you only coming twice a year? Not the fact that they're just coming twice a year. Did you ask them why? Well, maybe they did and they didn't report on why. Yeah, because there's an answer they didn't like. <laughs> it was an answer they didn't like. I want to know why. Why are you only why? coming to, if this same person, it was, I'm going to say same person, but I'm just saying, if you, if you found that person, that, find the person that went 20 times a year and if they're still alive, they went 20 times a year mm -hmm. and now they're only going to ask them why. Well, why outside of COVID? Because you know, you still do have people who 
will not go to places like that. Because of COVID. But I, yeah, because of that. But I, I would want to know outside of COVID, why? Yeah, why wouldn't why are you only going through that? Is it right. is it not that interesting? Is it still costly? Is it not? Is it you know? I, look, I used to watch baseball all the time, and baseball got boring to me. Mm-hmm. Once I found football, baseball was very boring to me. So, so they found something else. They may have found something else that, that's more yeah. exciting that they want to spend their money on. Or again, it could be you know you're asking Met goers. It could be because it's the same old, same old, and that gets tiresome after a while. But you're not going to please everybody because if you no, you're not going to please everybody, but you want to please the people that are going to buy the tickets. You need a, a proper cross section. You know, just selling only contemporary opera, they know that that doesn't work. No, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. A smaller house, if you're a smaller company. Yes. Because there are companies out there that only do contemporary work. Yes, yes. That's different. But you're talking talking about a monolith of a house that's been there for almost over 100 years. And, you know, just two seasons ago, you had your first Black composer on the list of operas, first opera written by a black composer in in the whole history of your company right. just two seasons ago. So that's not a change that's, you know, that's wonderful. But what are you going to do to continue that excitement, that, that curiosity for people to come? What are you going to do to continue that? You know, if he's watching this, can you, can you, you know, either post or write another article or something, say something. Did you ask them why they only come two times a year now? Is it, is it the expense? Is it they want to spend their money on something else? Some people have talked about the quality, you know, like I was saying. Some people talk about the quality of singing is not. Yeah, that's come up many times. Right. So, you know, where people have even left in the middle of performance. Now that says somebody picked, they just spent their money on a ticket. And then because of singing, they got up and left. I've seen that. I've seen it firsthand. You know, that's, that says a whole lot to me. That's not going to please everybody. No, but what, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is we didn't see that 20 years ago. Or did no, not say no, not not saying that it didn't happen. Not saying right. it didn't happen. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, not saying it didn't happen. But nobody noticed it and nobody called it out. Nobody called it out and nobody, yeah, nobody reported about it. Nobody but reported about it. Right. Part of the niche thing has to do with the business model. You gotta go back to that. Yeah, what, the, the question, I think as we close, the question is: can opera survive without donors? Because elitism is really lended to donors supporting something. And so can it survive without donors? It got you thinking, don't it? it, it I thought about that. Can opera survive it's a, it's a without donors? A, we know what happens in Europe. Europe, it's state-run, it's government-run. Yes. Look at English National Opera. This group that decides how much money each opera company is getting decided that they were not getting they wouldn't they ain't putting out so eno had to make a choice to whether do you remain in london or do you get out of london or in that area and that's become a big to do both sides have of the issue have pros and cons i should say i think if the big houses won't survive no they won't survive without mega donors i'm not in those rooms when their decisions are being made Mm-hmm. But I don't like the fact that someone donating two, three million dollars has a say 
and what or who should be on. I don't know if that's happening. Mm -hmm. They have this, they have something to say. If they're donating this, they have they have some kind of some power. people do. Some people do donate, and you, you you even see it in the program booklets. Some people do donate for a certain artists. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm gonna give you two million dollars if this person plays the role. Yeah. I don't know if that's happening. I'm assuming. Again, I could be wrong. The opera houses probably they'll accept the money, but they can't. You can't tell us so and so has to be in the role. I don't know. That could be. It could be that way. It could be the the way that I assume. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if that is happening, I have a problem with that. I would just say donate the money and let it go. If you want to see a particular opera, I can see you asking for, if I give you, can you put $2 million to put La Fossa del Destino? Because that's never rarely done. I think if, that's done. I think people yeah. do give. They do give for the production. So don't insist who plays what. See that, that's the donor. That's this business system that you, you know, I, I've always wondered it. I said, can opera survive without it being run that way can it and then too if you did not have big opera companies in the united states and you had only the small companies with the smaller seasons how can you make a living off of that unless you're singing at different ones all the time like a fest artist you know, or you know, maybe fest artist is at one, but it's at one. a fest artist is at one theater for right. The right. But right. suppose you had something where you did, you were festing at one theater, but you weren't given an exclusive contract because I've heard that too. They give you where you're only at that place doing different things. So now you you have the option. If I'm doing, I don't know, four compromaria roles within a season here. I still have the the freedom to go elsewhere when I'm not doing that and perform elsewhere. Yeah, it, yeah it, I don't know much, but I haven't had, never been to Fest Conscious, but I know yeah. people who have. You can fest at a particular company and then you can guest somewhere yeah. else. Yes, yes. But while your con, usually your contract is for the whole season. Mm -hmm. So you have to, whether it's three, four, five roles or whatever, you're there for that season. And then during the summer, unless you renew your contract for the upcoming season, mm -hmm. yes, during the summer, or your your fest contract maybe are for maybe certain roles. And you may, once those roles are done, you may guest. You have the ability to guest somewhere else. Right. I have friends that could speak on that. Because of the way the system is run here in the States that is based on yeah. donations, no, it won't survive. You don't think it will survive? I don't think it will survive. No. Mm. No. You need, even in the smaller houses, even though the houses are smaller and the productions are smaller, it's still, because it's smaller, doesn't mean you get smaller money. You still need some money Pay from some. somebody. The National Endowment of the Arts uh, uh, is not paying for a whole season. Mm -hmm. you know, hence why you have the donors, why you need the private donation, you know? unless it was state run like it is in Europe. I think that this elitist thing is connected to the business model. Yeah, we have to get rid of it. I mean, even in movies, when they show opera scenes in movies, it's always tuxedos and evening gowns mm -hmm. and all that. We, if we can break out of that, 
That's not how it is. That's just the, that's opening season at the Met. In the first opera of the season, it's always dress up. Some opera houses have a big gala in the middle of the season. The masses don't see it no. represented that way. They're right. not seeing it represented that way. So the traditional standpoint, it affects that. In a sense, it is for the wealthy. Who's donating, dropping 25 mil? It's not Joe, Joe Schmo. Uh, is it, is uh, these opera companies nonprofit? Nonprofit. So anybody can go. It is not an elitist art form. Anybody can go, absolutely. I remember when I was a student in school, I would go, I wouldn't dress, I mean, I would look okay, but I knew I could go in there in my jeans and go see an opera, especially it was a role that I was learning. You know, I, I think I'd like to do a study on people who go, who are not going to school to become opera singers. Right, right. Because that's the thing. I, I really would like to do a study on that. People who enjoy going to the opera. People who just enjoy going, because that's one thing about art was really interesting. I, I went to see this, this exhibit, I think it was like two years ago at the Brooklyn Museum. And I, I heard this person say, I don't know how to paint a lick. And I can't even tell you who, what artist is but I love going to the museum. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, with somebody going to an opera, I guess because of my colleagues, you're so used to people saying, well, I didn't like how she sang the upper note and her lower tessitura is not strong enough to right. sing over the orchestra. Right. That type of discussion is more of an industry discussion right. me. Right than an audience discussion. Well, I can see an audience member saying, well, I, I couldn't hear her mm -hmm. or I couldn't hear him or whoever. Right. But this, the lower tessitura is out, it's shot, she can't, blah, blah, blah. That's more of an industry thing. So I don't know. I, I, I think all of those contribute to, to elitism. I think all of it, the business model, how we're looking at it, and the fact that you do need wealthy people to support it and or wealthy organizations to support it. This is Juicy Interludes, not your typical opera podcast with your host, Angela Renee Simpson. And remember, you don't have to listen to me, but you do have to listen to your audience.